Welcome to the CCF Podcast. We're a campus ministry at Truman State University. This podcast features sermons from our weekly worship services. Thanks for listening. My God, my bright abyss, into which all my longing will not go. Once more I come to the edge of all I know, and believing nothing, believe in this. Good morning and welcome. Thank you, music crew. Thank you, Reed, for getting it going. Squatters for getting stuff set up. You made it over here? Good job, you made it over here. Anybody go to Violet? Leanne Dent, anybody? Oh, okay, yeah. Leanne and the boys, good job, Reed. Okay, hey, 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 marriage is hard. Uh, You guys, for some of you, you guys all made it here. Uh, We're really glad that you did. Um, We're kicking off a series this semester. Um, Reed mentioned on Wednesdays, but we're on Wednesday. Uh, On Sundays and Wednesdays, we're going to be camping out in the book of 1 Corinthians, the letter of 1 Corinthians um, all semester. So if you want um, on your own to be um, reading it, actually pretty soon we'll have these fancy little scripture journals. Less fancy than this one. It's a plain black cover that you'll be getting. But um, we ordered a bunch of these for anybody who wants to. It's just just the letter of 1 Corinthians right here. It's kind of nice. Blank, semi-lined, dotted, facing pages to take notes. Um, just to get into the text, mess with the text. Um, so pretty soon those should be arriving. Um, we'd love to put that in your hands, uh, give you a chance uh, to savor with us, dig in um, this semester um, to see what God might have to say to us, um, specifically um, through this letter from Paul to the Corinthians. Um, Let's begin it this way. Will you um, stand up to hear this first chunk of the scripture? For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are being called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and Christ, the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Amen. Have a seat. Sometime around the year 2001, 2002, I was a junior, maybe a senior for the first time here at Truman, and I was in a small group. I think I was leading a small group Bible study with CCF. Uh, Adam Steffi may have even been my co-leader, old-time CCFer. Uh, We met at the old K-Life house. Does anyone know where the old K-Life house is? Anyone know where the new K-Life house is? The big thing over there. Okay, this used to be all the way up north, up osteopathy. There was just a house. It was literally a house that some of our uh, Trush and Reeds and my friends used to live in, and that was uh, where they did K-Life stuff. Um, our small group met there. 
And I remember um, one week, I don't remember the topic of the small group, what we were doing, uh, but we had a little group of guys. And at the end of the small group meeting, um, we just asked guys to share a prayer request. What's going on? How can we pray for each other? Um, and so everybody did that. And then it got um, back around to us leaders, I'll say Adam, Steffi. And then I went last. And um, I said something like, man, I have some really awesome classes this semester. I just started to dabble in like philosophy and religion stuff after like barely clawing my way through and making it through physics. Not as good as Thomas at knowing physics. Uh, but I made it, dang it, so I'm ahead of you for now. And uh, I had some really awesome classes, and uh, whatever we were, we were studying in the small group, I was just like getting really into, and people had um, pointed me to um, some good books that I had been like devouring. And so uh, my prayer request, what, what I noted was, like, man, I've just been really excited to like learn stuff, and I feel like I've been hungry to, to know more and understand. Um, but my prayer request is like, I don't, I'm kind of, I'm kind of scared of that. Like, I don't want it to, to go too far. I don't want to <clears throat> like love it so much. And Adam Steffi, like just, uh, couldn't help himself. He just, he just snorts. He just chortles. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? He's like, did you hear what you just said? You're scared of loving to learn too much. And I was like, I don't know. I, uh, I, well, I think what was in the background for me, um, was something along the lines of what Paul is saying here, um, to the Corinthians. Uh, you who want to be wise, you who are hungry to learn, you better be careful, right? Not to learn too much because otherwise where's the room for faith? And uh, for a lot of us, maybe we um, come from church backgrounds or family backgrounds or um, places that have encouraged a a kind of anti-intellectualism. And in some ways this is true for me. Um, And uh, if if you've thought about uh, faith and reason and how they work together, um, there's in, in a lot of places uh, a fear about in order to make room for true faith, if you want to love God with all of your heart, then you better be careful that you don't get too big for your britches and too highfalutin with your knowledge and your scholarship and especially about the Bible or about religion. Uh, you better be careful about that because if you do that, they're like mutually exclusive. If you do that, then you're not going to be able to have faith and a warm heart and a, a living faith. Has anyone felt anything like this? The rest of you are blissfully ignorant. Good. That's great. Paul here uh, warns about um, the misplacement of trust in what he calls the wisdom of the world. Uh, But uh, in the last 20 years since that moment in the small group, um, what I have gone on to to wrestle through um, and to find with with great difficulty, but also also with great joy, um, is that Paul's warning is not, it's not to not learn. He's not saying um, don't know stuff, understand stuff. It's a man who has the entire uh, Hebrew scriptures like in his brain, in his heart. If you've read his letter to the Romans, he goes to uh, great pains to uh, explain and to try to understand another argument and to, to counteract it and to paint this picture of a deep, deep understanding based on lots of learning and knowledge and love of learning and knowledge. Um, his point is not, uh, you, you better be careful in case you get too wise. Uh, but what he's, what he's warning the Corinthians about um, are, are these different postures in your pursuit of, of wisdom. And, um, and the one thing, this, this comes up throughout his letters, actually. Uh, but in the one case, um, you have those who attempt to use their learning, uh, or their, their wisdom here, um, or their, their rigorous, uh, obedient practice, their discipline, um, lot, the, the adherence to religious rituals, whatever it is. They attempt to use that. Um, in an effort to get a handle on God, 
if I do all the right things, I say the right prayers at the right times, if I give enough money and I do this, and if I, uh, you know, beat my body into submission and whatever, then, then, like, God will have to listen to me or pay attention to me or God can't find something wrong with me because, dang it, like, I did it right. Or if I know enough, understand enough, I'm smart enough, then I can prove to everyone else, like, I, I do know enough and I know more than you, and so, like, God can't look down on me. And so there's a way of pursuing wisdom, the wisdom of the world here that Paul's warning about, uh, that really... Um, it is the, the essential issue is um, the posture of looking to, to get a handle on God. And what Paul is offering as the alternative, the real way, he's going to go on to talk about um, the cross, we preach Christ crucified. Um, the, the essential difference is that this posture is one of, of dying, is one of falling, is one of giving up, is one of releasing. And to these people, he says, remember the truth that, that you have accepted and has been made manifest among you, the whole point of this whole thing, um, the whole truth of it is that um, Jesus died on a cross. And by joining him there, by giving up, not by accumulating enough knowledge and enough rigorous practice, not by building a ladder that you can climb up to God on and get a handle on him, uh, but by submitting yourself totally to God, recognizing your utter helplessness, the utter contingency of everything about your life and everything that you're learning and that you're knowing, the posture in that case of being crucified with Christ in baptism, you're joined with him, um, giving up on acquiring enough and being smart enough and strong enough, um, that there is a wisdom that comes um, in this way of life. When you're baptized, uh, the, the rest of it is now you are raised to new life. Go and love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Here is real wisdom. But it only comes through the death, through the giving up. You can't clutch at it. You can't claim to have God, a handle on God, have God in your pocket. So when Paul's warning about the wisdom of the world, he's talking about um, this posture and this approach. And he's advocating, um, re remember how the whole thing started, how you got here. It's by being joined with Christ in death. You've already given up on all of that. You don't have to claim to be smart. Now you're free in joy and love to pursue the truth and to understand as much as you can, to learn as much as you can, um, knowing that you're not going to exhaust what Christ has to offer there. And so there's, a, there's joy in the continual discovery of continuing to learn more. The more and more you learn, the more that you see, like, oh, my goodness, there's so many new things. I, I don't even know Coptic yet, and I don't know anything about this period of history over here, and I don't know anything about my own family history. And a, as you grow in wisdom with the, the posture of submission, humility, uh, the, the, the world opens up, and, and you follow Christ in an exploratory gaining of wisdom um, rather than a miserly Scrooge, like, I have to acquire enough wisdom so that I can be safe and secure. Here I'm walling myself up, protecting myself from God. If he ever comes knocking, I have enough things that I can point to. Like, no, 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 I know this, I know that, I do that. And, and this one is a fundamental openness um, to Christ, being joined um, with Christ to now pursue um, wise ways of living in the world. You're college students, most of you. Uh, you spend most of your time reading books, allegedly, or online, or however you do that now. Uh, <coughs> my encouragement to you is th through uh, trial and error and, and with great difficulty, um, learn to approach um, your, your studies as an avenue for learning to love God with all your mind, um, with humility and curiosity, um, with hunger and joy 
uh, rather uh, than, than out of fear or uh, trying to, to build a strong enough um, fortress to uh, wall yourself off from, uh, from God and others. Um, you, you probably see, you, you've probably felt it in yourself, the difference between those. You can see it in others, the way they're pursuing their grades, their degree, their salaries, whatever it is. Um, uh, Paul says, uh, you, you think you're going you're gonna to get yourself to God that way? God's foolishness is wiser than all of the wisdom that you could ever acquire. And, and over here, um, that's disheartening, and that, that leads to despair. Uh, but over here, from a posture of openness and humility, um, there's wide-eyed wonder at, oh my goodness, the, the endless mysteries of God that I can pursue. God's foolishness is so far above even the most wisdom that I can acquire. That doesn't mean stop trying to acquire wisdom, make sure not to learn stuff. It means dive into it fully, do as much as you can, and then you will, you'll bump up against the limits of your own understanding, and that's a glorious thing. My God, my bright abyss, into which all my longing will not go. Once more I come to the edge of all I know, and believing nothing, believe in this. Um, would you stand for this next section of scripture? I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same minds and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say they were baptized in my name. I did also baptize the house of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't know if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Amen. Have a seat. Paul's big concern about those who are pursuing the wisdom of the world and holding themselves up as so smart uh, is, is that uh, it's destroying the unity of the body of Christ. Um, Paul says the deepest truth of, truth of the world is that all things are in Christ, including us, and we are coming back together and through baptism, through being joined with Christ, through his death, um, the whole world is being knit back together. And those who are pursuing the wisdom of the world, seeking to prop themselves up and get a handle on God so they can wield him against others, um, are destroying that. Paul says, I've heard that you guys are quarreling with each other. Come on! I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas, I follow Christ, blah, 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 blah. Uh, a similar distinction in postures here. Um, Paul has been to a lot of different places and started a lot of churches. He, he doesn't see that there is a church in Corinth that is not like meeting regularly together in Violet Hall 1000 with also the church at uh, Ephesus and anywhere else. Like there are churches in different places um, that, that are all unified uh, by being within their little bands, by being together, joined in Christ, uh, but they're connected to each other as members of the same larger body of Christ. So when Paul says, I hear that there are divisions, um, he did, and this is, this is something for you to, to, to parse, 
Um, it, it's not just because we're not all together all the time doing exactly the same things. Um, in that body metaphor, Paul's going to go on to say, um, so, some are the hands and some are the feet and some are this, and the different members have their different purposes, but they're all joined under Christ the head to do this unified thing, to be the body of Christ on earth. And so when we approach that, like puzzled at other people and other weird ways of doing things, but also humble and open to Christ is the head and we're all down here trying to figure out how to faithfully be the hand or the eye or the foot, um, then, then we remain um, united in Christ and God through Christ fulfills his purpose in the world. Um, Paul's big concern about those who are seeking to build themselves up um, through knowledge, um, through this wisdom of the world, um, is that it's leading to quarreling and divisions and it's destroying the body of Christ. Um, here's, a, here's a good, um, easy test for you to see, like, what, what's my approach? What's my posture uh, toward uh, learning about God, toward acquiring wisdom, trying, toward trying to understand the truth? I um, mean, the good, easy test is um, if it's real and humble and God-centered rather than, than God-afraid, uh, to know the truth, to learn the truth, um, is to love the truth. Like, God is, is, is true, but he's also good and beautiful. So when you see God truly, when you see some aspect of God's world truly, you, you will love it. You'll be drawn to it. Your heart will be turned toward it. And when you see it real and when you love it real, then you will, you will have no other option but to, to learn to live it real. To know the truth is to love the truth, is to do the truth. Paul's saying here, you don't, your wisdom, really? Your wisdom is, is leading to the, the severing of the body. You got lopped off arms and legs. Like, to tell me again about your, your wisdom and how wise it is. An easy test is, are the things that, that I am thinking and knowing and the, the ways that I think uh, uh, we ought to be living, like, are those leading to uh, the communal real life in the body of Christ where members are um, flourishing and functioning together? Not always in a happy, shiny, perfectly pretty way in a growing, developing, learning, with great difficulty, but also great love um, kind of way. <clears throat> for Christ didn't send me to baptize, make a name for myself, build up my stats, uh, but to preach the gospel, um, to bring to you and to live um, the truth of Christ crucified. Not with words of eloquent wisdom. We're not battling to figure out who's the best possible preacher, who's the best possible author, who's the best possible liver. Liver. Is that Megan Hand? Megan! Um, this is Megan, everybody. She worked on staff for like 10 years. What's up, April? Hello, welcome. Are they making a movie about you? Holy cow, okay. Um, you guys can come on in if you want. Everyone sees you now. lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Again, Paul is pointing um, to the cross as the focal point, of, as the thing that makes sense of our manner of living in the world and especially of living together and, and, and gaining wisdom. Um, the cross of Christ can be emptied of its power if we seek to bypass it and instead of falling into that and being raised back up by God's power into new life, of if instead of that, uh, we, we try to short circuit that process and we're like, well, but I just want to know on my own. I just want to get enough on my own. I just want to get strong enough, build my own 
the thing that works well enough on my own without having to do that, um, destroying the unity that ought to be there uh, in the body of Christ. Uh, when we do that, we have emptied the cross of its power. Uh, I was thinking about, w does the cross have power in the first place? It's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird thing. Like it is, the cross is specifically intended um, to deny, to remove, to eradicate any power. You die on a cross. That's that's what it is. So what is the, what is the power of the cross? That's kind of weird. And then I had this image of um, of a of a black hole cross. So the the baptismal imagery of like going down and being joined with Christ um, says bring all of your knowledge and all of your wisdom and bring all of your striving and all of that and, and don't like don't get rid of it. Go down into Christ with it. He he will he will bury it. He will transform all of that. Um, into the new you, the real you that can now get on in the world, um, living according to the Spirit, and and the the baptismal imagery there, um, I, I, I see a black hole cross, uh, where the cross doesn't say go go dump that stuff somewhere else and then come over here and we'll have our fancy little club, um, it sucks everything down into it and smashes it all together, and that's the the power of the cross is all of that crazy potential energy, I think, Thomas, that's in the, in the black hole from everything, all the extraneous space being just crammed together. It has all this just waiting energy. The, that's the, the power of the cross is this, it's a negation in a way, but by sucking everything down and keeping it right there, rather than just like, okay, paint a pretty face on and go on. Here you go. You got an A, do better next time. Here you go. Um, the, the power of the cross, the power to, to bring us together, to join us, um, to, to transform the whole freaking broken world, is that it takes all that we have, all we can do, and, and it, it doesn't get rid of it, it, it transforms it. It shoots it back up volcanically into, um, in, in, into new life, into uh, the, the reality of what was there. Shreds away the false stuff. So in humility, paradoxically, by giving up, everything is given back to us and to the world and is joined to Christ. Don't empty the cross of its power uh, by pretending to be smart and pretending uh, that you know the best way and so not getting along with other people. My God, my bright abyss, into which all my longing will not go. Once more, I come to the edge of all I know, and believing nothing, believe in this. We stand for our final section of scripture. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Amen. You can have a seat.
But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. The last time I had my suit on a couple of weeks ago, I reached into the inside pocket and I pulled out the little program from the funeral of a good friend, the date of which I'm blanking on. I think it was a spring ago or a year and a half ago. Um, I had a good friend for a long time named Douglas Alexander, comma, heavyweight champion of the world. That's what I called him. He uh, was a man uh, about town here in Kirksville. Um, we were friends for, I don't know, 15 years. Uh, he is my dad's age. He was born in 1960, July 1st. Um, Doug, uh, a lot of people around town knew Doug. He, he made it around. Um, if you served sweet tea or he just, he, he made it around. Um, Doug had a lot of uh, physical and um, uh, mental handicaps and uh, <clears throat> um, I was super annoying, honestly. Like the, I was always terrified that he was gonna get my phone number. Like back when the CCF house had a, like a real phone with an answering machine, <laughs> he would call, I don't know, it varied, two to 102 times per day. He hated Trush because he, Doug thought that Trush never passed the messages on to me because Doug, he didn't care about Trush. He only liked me. He was like, he always wanted, he wanted to go out to lunch. He wanted to hang out with the kids. He loved my freaking kids when they were little. Um, he just, he wanted to hang out all the time. So we did sometimes. We would like go out to eat. Doug would always have a bag from Dollar General of like stuff for the kids. He thought, he thought that three-year-old Ellie really loved um, Arizona iced tea. So he always had one of those big cans of Arizona iced tea. Um, he, he just wanted to hang out. Like he did just, um, he, he loved people. He loved me for some reason. He loved my children. Uh, Trush was just a tool to get to me. And um, actually, when, when Trush was shutting down the phone line at the CCF house, he said, um, I tracked it for the last six months, and the only two people who have called are Doug for you. We'll do it this way. Doug for you and uh, your wife looking for you because you don't answer your cell phone. So he's like, I don't think we need this phone line anymore. Let's save 30 bucks a month. Um, this is Douglas Alexander. Um, I, I loved Doug with, um, with all my annoyed heart. And I, uh, we, we went to his funeral, Reed, Ellie, Trush and I, um, whenever that was. Um, and sitting, I hadn't seen him much in the, in the last couple of years, actually. Like, there was a long stretch where I always wrestled. with like, wow, I'm really busy trying to do all of my stuff. But it's like the, the Doug thing is, um, it's, it's in my mental calendar. And every once in a while, like, we need to get together and hang out. We had one semester where we just agreed on Tuesday afternoons or whatever after school. I brought him to the CCF house. And we just uh, ate pizza and played wiffle ball and hung out with the kids on the lawn. Um, and it, it was awesome. Um, oh, holy cow. We had, we spent so much time in staff meeting. Joe Belzer wanted to take Doug on a spring break trip way back in the day, like back when I was like very um, young on staff. And I remember we having this like long discussion about, is this a good idea? Is this not a good idea? And I was young and dumb. I was like, well, yeah, sure. Why wouldn't he come? And Keevan was like, do you, he'll do, you, are you forecasting like a week of like what this, we'll have to have people basically on shifts like, babysitting him, making sure that he's, you know, can just get around, do whatever. He went on a men's retreat once, and Reed and I were driving there with him. Were you a student? This is like, yeah, this is way back. We drove an hour to Newtown or wherever the men's retreat was, and when we got there, Doug said, that's, you're frustrating. Darn it, that's irritating. Darn it, that's irritating. We're like, Doug, what's, what's the matter? Oh, nothing. Like, What's, that's irritating. Like, Doug, what's, what's wrong? Oh, I forgot my medication. They're like, uh, what kind of, oh, it's just heart medication. I was like, strokes? 
it's just for seizures. And I was like, how often do you take it? Like, I don't know, five times a day. Like, uh, we need to go back and get it. It's like, oh, no, we're already here. That's irritating. And so Rita, we left Doug at the church, and Rita and I drove back to his apartment and, like, scrounged around, found his seizure medication. We took it. He came to the ministry. It was awesome. Um, we spent a lot of time in staff meeting discussing uh, just Doug and, like, how many hours a day can it be, be at the CCF house and if college girls feel uncomfortable walking in the door because Doug was just very excited to see them and wanted to, you know, tap them on the head and whatever. Um, at Doug's funeral a year ago, whenever this was, um, I sat there. I hadn't seen him much in the last couple of years, and he got really plugged in at the Salvation Army around town. It was, like, tight with those people. And all of the, like, the stories they were telling just took me back to, like, oh, yeah, this is, this is the, the paradox um, of this, this be- beautiful soul, this annoying person, um, Doug, who God has made. And, like, uh, and the people were just, you know, filled with gratitude about, like, Doug just always wants to do anything. Like, he's always calling, like, where are we going? What's the church doing? What can we do? He just wants to do anything. Um, and I sat there, um, and I, um, I, I remembered, like, long periods of my life, especially, like, early and middle staff, when I was, like, wrestling with, like, I have way too much to do, and I don't know how to, like, partition my time out to, there were hundreds of students that I could be spending time with, and, uh, and um, through all those years, like, having having Doug as a, a time, whenever we got together, like, I, I loved hanging out with him. We were, like, legitimately good friends, and he loved Elvis and throwing rocks in the water and going to Sonic, and it was, like, a legitimately awesome time just to, to be with him. And it, at the funeral, um, it just, it crashed down on me that, like, I, I love Truman Kids. I love the work that I get to do here. I love taking classes and talking to you guys about your classes and giving you book reports to turn into me. And like, I, I just, I love to try to understand things and hear from you. And I'd, I, I know like some of your specific pitfalls and I see it in my daughter. She's building up like a Truman sort of like, I only have 108 in this class and I have an ulcer from it. And um, I like, I, I know how to relate to that. And I, I've just like seen God do a lot of good stuff, you know, with that. And I feel like I'm planted here for this reason to like be, to be with you guys. And I, and I really love it. Uh, and then I, I, I realized also like sitting at the funeral and thinking about 20 years of, of being with Doug, uh, that, uh, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Like I, I can get into patterns of like, if everyone would just think like me and do what I say or just leave me alone, honestly, like things would be better, wouldn't they? Like this is a wise way to go. Here's the strong way of living. Like stop doing stupid stuff. Stop having your unreasonable demands of me. And I, I like, you know, get locked into that. Uh, and then, um, and then I, I, I see God choosing Doug, a, a foolish man. He's a, he's a foolish man, not a smart guy. I see God choosing that um, to, to, to shame my, my wisdom. Doug was freakishly strong. One time he had a seizure on the driveway, like with a wheelbarrow in his hands, and we like couldn't, he was like freakishly strong. But he's, in the world, I'm a weak person. Can't drive himself around. He's totally dependent on his mom and other people to, to, to do anything. I'm a weak person. And I, I see so clearly God choosing uh, uh, this, this weak man in the world um, to, to shame um, all of us strong ones who think that like we just put in enough time and we just do it right and we just get that degree to have this job and not have any problems because we can pay for whatever we need and it doesn't it doesn't you know it, like that doesn't really work that that doesn't really work whatever the whatever the wisdom of God is um, 
the, the lower end of that, God's foolishness, is, is, is the, the stars above us. And we're down here like building, like I'm on level seven of wisdom, yay. <clears throat> you, you know um, that it doesn't work. And if you work um, too long and too hard and put all of your eggs in that basket, um, you're going to crash and that's going to be um, really despairing. You, you can also attempt to, in your normal life, uh, keep an eye on, uh, leave your heart open to, yeah, of course that's how it works, God. And so you call us to do what we can and use what we have, uh, but of, of course we have no strength or wisdom really on our own. And so we get as strong as we can and as wise as we can, as we should, um, knowing that um, our eyes should be open to the way that God is going to use um, the foolish things and the weak things um, in us as well as around us um, to bring about what he wants. Our whole story is centered on a murdered guy that's, that's not strong or wise. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Oh, will you close your eyes? here out ahead of you down toward the ground my God my bright abyss into which all my longing will not go once more I come to the edge of all I know and believing nothing believe in this